Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We really believe the next 35 minutes will help you. We pray God speaks to you through this week's message. I want to talk to you this morning about something um, that's been on my heart for a little while, um, prayer and fasting. And uh, what would you say to me this morning if I was to promise you that in the next couple of weeks, I will not only save you money, but I will help you get the body of your dreams. Would you be interested in that? Would you be, is that worth sharing? If I could help you save money and help you fit into your genes better, would you be interested in hearing about that? Okay, the people that are saying yes may not know what it requires, but in the next couple of minutes, you're going to find out about that. This morning, I want to talk to you about prayer and fasting because a few months ago, um, God spoke to me and said to me that there is a season of uh, uh, prayer and fasting that was going to come upon our church. And I spoke to our elders and we just wanted, we just prayed through it. And I felt um, this morning that it was the appropriate time. To, to speak about that. And um, at the end of today's service, we're going to give you an opportunity to be anointed for a specific purpose. Now, if you're here today and you wonder what that's about, it really means that we're going to uh, give you an opportunity to get out of your seat, to come to the front. We're going to uh, pray with you. And normally when we anoint somebody, we just put like a little bit of oil on them. It's just a sign that we're anointing you before God. And we're going to do it for a real specific purpose. Now, I'm going to speak this week on fasting and it's going to be more of a practical message and then next week we're going to speak about prayer and breakthrough and fasting because it's all connected but if we talk about it this week and then the whole plan is is that next week we're going to start something that I believe will significantly shift this church and I'm excited about it because I believe that people's lives the lives of individuals are going to change. And when we do this prayer and anointing, what we're doing uh, later on today is that we're marking the beginning of a season of breakthrough for some people in this church. And that's what I'm excited about. So if you feel good about that, great. Um, I'm going to pray this morning. If you want to, feel free to join me and let's do that. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, God, that you're with us. Lord, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. God, we thank you that you have initiated the beginning of a season that we believe is going to bring breakthrough into your church. Father, for those of us that are here this morning and we're guests and we don't come to church very often, Lord, I pray that we would be open to hearing what it is that you want to do today. God, I pray that everyone who's here this morning, that we realize that this message is just not for people that are Christians, but God, this is a message for people. God, I pray that today, uh, while I'm talking, I pray that you're talking. I pray, God, a spirit of revelation to just be open over this church and that, Lord, we'd hear your words and we would receive what it is today that you want to say to us. God, we love you. We thank you. We, we, we love that we get to be in your church. We love that we get to worship you. And so, God, we just give you these next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you've got a Bible, um, why don't you turn to Mark, Mark chapter 9. And if you didn't, I don't see a lot of pages turning. 
I see a lot of maybe some apps being opened. If you came today, you're a guest, maybe you didn't even bring your Bible. People are still doing that these days. They're still bringing Bibles to church. That still happens occasionally. But if you didn't bring a Bible, it's, I'm going to read a great story to you. So if you want, you can just get comfortable and let me read. And you can just think about uh, what I'm speaking about today. Okay, Mark chapter 9, and it begins in verse 14, sorry. And this is what it says. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them. And the scribes, who were like the lawyers, were arguing with them. That doesn't sound right for lawyers, does it? That they would argue? Anyway. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and they ran up to him and greeted him. The him is Jesus. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. How horrible. It says, so I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Yuck. And uh, Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from his childhood. And it's often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, wow, hey, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Does that sound strange to anyone else? I believe, help my unbelief. He sounds a bit confused, doesn't he? And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. If you're following on in your Bible and you get to the bottom and it doesn't say fasting, if you look in the notes section down the bottom, there's probably a little asterisk there and you can sort of read that down the bottom. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. Prayer um, and fasting brings breakthrough. Prayer and fasting brings breakthrough. In other unrelated news, I learned earlier this week that a 53 gram Easter bunny has about half the saturated fat that you should consume in any given day. So post uh, Easter, it may be literally the best time to go into a season of prayer and fasting. I told you this morning that I wanted to help you. I, I, so I looked that up and that's just completely unrelated. Now this morning, I really do want to talk to you about what fasting means. And the reason being is because when we say fasting, people think about all kinds of ideas. And one of the ideas that people think about is, is it like kind of like a diet? Is fasting like a diet? Fasting is not a diet. 
Do you know Jesus said when you pray and when you fast? In other words, he expected that fasting would be something that people do. It's just an expectation when you pray and when you fast. It's so funny to me because prayer is a perfectly acceptable part of Christianity. Would you agree with that? But fasting, not so much. Fasting, maybe not as common as you would come to expect when somebody prays. You know, prayer is just that thing that we do all the time. In fact, there was a conversation that Jesus had with some Pharisees and they said, hey, why don't your disciples fast? How come, yeah, how come they don't fast? And he says, well, the reason that they don't fast is because I'm with them, but there will come a day when I will go. And when I go, they will right. When I go, my disciples will fast. And what Jesus really meant was, was that there's kind of come a time where I'm not physically walking around in, on the earth in one place. And when that happens, uh, that's when my disciples will fast. So really, if you would consider yourself to be a disciple, if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, then really this should just be normal part of practice and, and Christian living for you. It is not a diet. It's not a diet in the sense that when you go without food, you're supposed to pray a lot. It's not a diet. Number two, what is it? Well, it's not to earn favor with God. You don't fast to earn God's favor. In fact, if you were here last week, one of the things that you might have learned is actually that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And when he died for your sins, he actually came and he did something that's called justification. He justified you, which means he took the righteousness of Christ and he put it on you. You are favoured. If you're a person who's here today, you've given your life to Jesus, you're already favoured. The favour of God is already upon you. So you don't come along and fast so that you can just earn favour. That's not what it's about. Fasting is not putting God in debt. This is such an interesting idea. So I, I have heard people say that sometimes when you give into the offering, you're putting God in debt. Now he owes you one. I've heard people say that when you fast, you're putting God in debt because now he owes you one. Let me just clear this up for you this morning. God has paid you your, your debts in full. You, God doesn't owe you anything. Pay attention right here. God doesn't owe you anything. He's given you everything, but he never owed it to you. And you don't actually ever come to a place where you put God in debt. I remember one time I was fasting and I said, to, I was praying to God and I didn't get the answers that I was hoping for. And so God told me that to break my fast. And I said, well, I don't want to do that. And I, and I don't have the answers to my prayers yet. And he says, well, I want you to break the fast anyway. And I was kind of really resistant to the idea. And then God said to me, hey, listen, you don't fast to bend me to your will. You fast so that you bend yourself to my will. And I realized that I was approaching fasting with the wrong idea. So that when I fast, I just get what I want, right? No, that's not how it works. That would be putting God in debt, but you don't ever put God in debt. And finally, fasting, that's not for the fanatics. It's not for the crazy people. You know, fasting is a natural part of just Christian living. And if you would consider yourself to be a person who follows Jesus and God has never, ever spoken to you, He's never, ever brought it up with you. It's never come up in prayer. It's like, well, He never says that to me. I'm suggesting to you this morning that it's possibly this little thing that maybe He's brought up before, but you perhaps haven't heard or maybe the part that you don't want to hear. But fasting is not something that fanatical people do. It's actually very normal. It's a normal part of Christian living. So 
fasting is not a diet. It's not to earn favour with God. It doesn't put God in debt and it's not for fanatics. Let me go ahead and tell you about what fasting really is. Fasting is refraining from eating food for the spiritual purpose of aligning yourself with God. And sometimes that will bring breakthrough into your life. Sometimes it means that God will speak to you. Sometimes it means that God will uh, open your ears and you'll get answers to prayer that you haven't had before. But that is the purpose behind fasting. And I read a fantastic book on fasting. And many of you, if you're a Christian, you probably would have read it. It It's written by Jensen Franklin. The title is called Fasting. What a great title for a book on fasting. Can't believe it wasn't taken. And so he wrote this book on fasting and uh, it's, it's a great book. And if you're here today and you've never fasted before, you've never heard God say to you that it's the right season to fast. You've never heard anything like that. And you would like to know a little bit more about fasting. I would love to give you a copy of this book so that you can read about it. Is there anyone here this morning who's never fasted? Okay, so if you're a Christian and you've done it, don't put your hands up. I just mean you've never fasted. You've never heard God say that. Is there anyone here that would like to just learn a little bit more about it? You're not saying that you have to actually do it, but you would just like to learn more about it. No one wants to learn about it. We have a person at the back. So if you could just run that down to Josh at the back and give that to him. Isn't that fascinating? There's a little experiment there. No, I don't want to learn about fasting. Are you kidding me? I don't even like the fact that you're talking about it. (laughs) Let me read to you something that Jensen Franklin said. He said, fasting has been the secret to obtaining open doors, miraculous provision, favor, and the tender touch of God on my life. Can I say to you that what God has done for Jensen Franklin isn't uniquely just confined to Jensen Franklin. How many of us know that if we were to employ the very same practices and principles in our life, that the miraculous provision, that the open doors, that the things that hinder us from being able to move forward, that those things would become available to us just like they're available to him. Let me tell you a story. In 2011, Cyclone Yassi came and it hit the coast of Australia. And do you know that it took out 75% of our banana crops? Do you remember that? Which was devastating for me because I love bananas. I have bananas on my wheat bix in the morning. And I remember that moment. I remember when, when all of that shifted and changed. And you know what happened to bananas? They went up in price. I looked it up. Did you know that bananas were selling for $15 a kilo back then, just a couple years ago? And so it's like, if you were rich, maybe you could afford bananas. I don't know. But they went up and they got expensive. Do you know that today you can actually buy bananas for just $4 a kilo? They've come back down in price. But boy, did that fruit grow up. And I tell you what, when, when, that, when those bananas, when that fruit went up, that sounds really expensive, but it is relatively small cost compared to what some people paid in the Bible. Even though that fruit, that food went way up, that is a relatively small cost compared to what some people paid in the Bible when they made a decision to eat. You know, I want to tell you a story. I'll tell you three stories. The first story is about Adam and Eve. Has has anybody heard of that story? Okay, it's like four people. I was just testing your responsiveness. You're failing. You're failing. 
if you're here and you're a Christian, you've probably heard the story of Adam and Eve. And, um, uh, you know, God created Adam, created Eve, put them in the Garden of Eden, okay? And then he said, right, I'm going to give you dominion over um, the earth and you're to, uh, you know, be fruitful and multiply and increase. And I want you to extend the borders and the boundaries of the Garden of Eden. And it sounds like such a great idea. He put one tree in the middle of the garden and he says, right, guys, you got one job. You got one job. You, got to, you can do all of this stuff, but the one thing I don't want you to do, don't eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so if you know the story, you know, Eve is, I don't know why she's hanging out by the tree. Some people like to play close to the boundary. I don't know. But, she's, but here she is hanging out by the tree, says that the serpent came and he spoke to her. And before you just pass off this as a fictitious story, can I say to you that in the Great Commission, what did Jesus say? I'm going to send you out into all the world and you preach the gospel to all creation and you'll tread on what? Okay, does anybody think that Jesus was saying that the part of the spread of the gospel would be to step on snakes? Does anybody buy into that this morning? He said, what an obscure thing to place in the middle of a commission to preach good news. Preach the good news to all creation. Whenever you see a snake, I want you to step on it. Is that not odd to you? Actually, when it talks about stepping on serpents and scorpions, it's talking about demonic forces that come against God's people. So when it says in the Garden of Eden that there was a serpent that came before, you just write that off and say, well, it's a fictitious story. That never happened. It's actually designed to illustrate an important pr- uh, uh, principle here, which is that there is demonic opposition that comes toward God's, God's people. So, so the serpent, the demonic force, it comes towards Eve and it says, Eve, eat the apple. She's like, well, I don't know. feel like God's said that we shouldn't eat it and the serpent says did he really say that she's like I don't know maybe maybe it's okay if we eat it and so she takes a bite she gives it to her husband and he takes a bite and then immediately they get stupid because the first thing that they do is go and hide and the bible says that God came looking for them in the garden anytime God's looking for something can I tell you he's already found it he's just teasing you yeah I remember my kids I would get home and Judah, when he was a little boy, um, my job when I got home was to find him. He sat in the middle of the lounge room and he wore a sheet over his head. And I had to look under every couch and behind every curtain until I found him. And then there he was. Oh, here you were all along. He thought it was great. I knew where he was the whole time. So did God. He comes looking for Adam and Eve and he finds them, you know, he finds them in the garden. And he finds him in the garden and he said, what are you doing? And here comes Adam. It was the woman. <laughs> it was her fault, not mine. Whatever, Adam, you took a bite. Own up, mate. So, so Adam takes a, you know, they, they, he speaks to them. And what really happens there? Did you know that they ate themselves straight into God's judgment? Did you know that they also ate their way out of God's will? So the plan was to do what? To be fruitful and multiply. And what did they do? They were thrown out of the garden. The plan that God had for them was never fully realized, correct? Do you know that they ate their way out of God's provision for their life? What happened when you get cast out of the garden? Now you've got to fend for yourself, right? What happened when they tasted the fruit? They got cast out from God's presence. Who would have thought that the price of fruit could go that high? I tell you what, I, I, I mean, the bananas got expensive, 
But that, I don't know what it was, let's call it an apple, but that is the most expensive bite a person has ever had in their life. That is an expensive piece of fruit right there. If you think that that could only happen once, let me tell you again, there's a great story about a man, his name's Isaac, and he's got a couple sons, Jacob and Esau. And Esau is this great hunter, and, and um, Jacob is this guy that, you know, he does farming and, and so forth. And so anyway, the story is Jacob is making this red lentil stew. And Esau comes home from a, from a, day's, a, a, a bad day's hunting. And did he catch anything? No. He's so hungry. And he gets home. And there's this red lentil stew that's cooking. He goes, boy, that smells good. I would love to have a bowl of that. And uh, Jacob says to him, okay, well, fine. Well, why don't you give me your, your, your birthright, your, your blessing, and then I'll give you the red lentil stew. I'll give you a pot of this stew. And so you know what would happen is, is that the firstborn son, which was Esau, he would always get a double portion. It's just the way it worked back then. So if you had two kids, you divide the inheritance three ways. The firstborn child receives the double portion. And then, um, however, subsequent children after that, it's divided equally among them. But the firstborn child always got the double portion. Portion. Personally, I'm a big supporter of this. I feel like we should bring it back. Do we have any firstborn people here this morning? You guys agree with me? Come on. Let's campaign all of our parents. So anyway, he gets back and he says, this is a great stew. And he says, give me your birthright. And he goes, fine, just give me the soup. And he eats it. What an idiot. He gave away a double portion of his inheritance, double the lands, double everything. Why? Because he was so hungry. He ate his way out of a double portion of blessing. That is a crazy idea. And yet it happened. Let me tell you one more. Let me tell you one more. Jesus gets baptized. And the Spirit of God leads him out into the wilderness where he's fasting for 40 days. And we know that um, Satan came and he tries to tempt him. You know, there's a whole range of different temptations. We know about several of those. And so what was one of the temptations? He says, come and if you, he knows he's hungry. Isn't it funny how the enemy always tries to tempt you in areas where you're weak? And so he comes and he says, hey, listen, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus's reply is, nope, not going to do it, Satan, the, because it is written that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Can I tell you this morning, there are some words that you need to hear that are more important than your next meal. There are people in this room today who actually need something from God and it's more important than your next meal. There are people in here with sickness. There are people in here that need financial breakthrough. There are people here that need divine strategy to move their business forwards. There are people in this room today that need a word from God to begin to open doors where doors are currently shut right now. I'm going to give you an opportunity to have those doors opened at the end of today's service. Is that good? So here's the thing. You imagine eating your way out of God's blessing and yet the Bible says that it happened. Do you know that there is, the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter who your parents were. If you're a first generation Christian in your family line, it doesn't, God doesn't respect the other Christians that are in here and say, wow, they come from such an important heritage. God looks at individuals. He looks at decisions that you make. That's why you can sort of turn up to church one day, give your life to Jesus and have your whole future turned around. 
He's no respecter of persons, but can I tell you what God responds to? He responds to faith. He responds to faithful people. And when God sees faith being exercised, He responds to that. And if you need breakthrough in your life, I'm going to ask you today to consider joining us to fast. Let me tell you another story. In uh, probably about 2006, I think it was 2007, um, Sarah and I, we, we came to this church and we wanted to go on a missions trip and we did not have the money, but we felt called by God to do it. Has anybody ever felt called by God to do something, haven't had the resource to do it? If you're running your own business, you might know what I'm talking about. And so I said to Sarah, well, I feel like we should fast and pray about this. She says, okay. So we decided to fast for two weeks, no food. Trust me, it can be done. So two weeks, no food. And I remember my, my work colleagues, they came to me and this is so sweet of them, but they noticed that I hadn't been eating. So they cornered me up and they bailed me up one day and they said, all right, you're not eating. What's going on? And I said, it was like, I felt like I was being stuck up. So I said, all right, you got me. I said, I'll tell you the truth. I'm fasting. They said, what is that? I explained the process to them. They thought that was the most outrageous thing that they had ever heard in their life. Are you serious? So when did you stop eating? I'm like, oh, well, it was like a week and a half ago. I'm going to finish at the end of this week. They're like, oh my gosh, we can't believe that you're doing that. They wanted to find out more. It's so funny how people react to the idea of fasting. In fact, even in my own family, I've got this particular uncle of mine who is a very, very smart man. In fact, if you want to know anything about the universe, ask him. He knows all things. And so my family are having this argument and one of my relatives is saying, oh, you know, Ben and Sarah, they fasted for two weeks, no food. What was his response to that? You'd be dead. And yet here we are. I said, no, but we actually did this. Like we fasted. You would be surprised. We were actually completely healthy, completely fine. Now, actually, fasting is a great way to sort of even detox your body. Like for real, it actually is a great way to detox your body. There's a lot of health benefits that come from fasting anyway. And so we said, no, we didn't die. We're alive and we made it. And, and it's just funny how people respond to it. Do you know the end of that story is we got half the money from someone that we knew, but it wasn't like a relative. It was someone that we kind of knew, but not very well. They gave us half the money that we needed to go on that missions trip. And the other half was donated by some business person somewhere that we had never met. And it put the money together and immediately we went on a trip that changed our lives. What's my point? My point is when God is wanting you to break through, sometimes when you fast, He begins to open doors that have previously been locked and shut. And that was my experience. Now, there are, the fast that we did was we fasted from food for two weeks. But can I tell you, there are all kinds of fasts. So here are a couple of fasts that you can do. You can do an absolute fast, which is no food and no water. And I would probably advise against that unless, you know, Jesus shows up or Mother Mary turns up and you have some divine encounter, then I'd probably advise against it. But if you decide to do it, go get some medical advice because you can deteriorate really quickly when you don't eat food and drink water. If you do a normal fast, you fast from food. So you just don't eat any food for a period of time and you can drink water or you could have some broth or juice or something, but you just drink liquids. Let me tell you, I've fasted with some people before. You'd be surprised what you can get into a blender. If it makes it through a straw, it's fine. That's the best evidence I've ever heard for anyone getting a Thermomix ever, because that thing will just grind it up until you can drink it through a straw. 
So there's a couple of ways that you can do it. You can do, you can do no food. You can actually do a partial fast where you eat, where you, where you don't eat everything. You just stick away from some foods. Um, that's some people call that a Daniel fast. That's what Daniel did. And I'll talk more about that next week. But, you know, you might just want to eat vegetables, but no meat or nothing seasoned, just basically plain steamed vegetables. And I've even heard that, you know, these days people do all kinds of fasts. You can even do like a technology fast, you know, like for example, and I know this is crazy and I know this sounds outrageous, but you could fast Facebook. I I don't want to get extreme on you today. I don't want to get extreme on you. The crazy part is some people would rather go without food than Facebook, you know, but, but you could actually fast Facebook. And you know what? Just like my uncle said, you won't even die. Like you'll make it through. So it, it, that's something you could fast. You might want to fast technology in some way, though. Maybe your phone. Maybe it's, you know, it's some, something that you, takes up a lot of your time. But, you know, you can fast something. So practically, what should you experience when you fast? So the types of fast that you can do. Let me just say one thing. When you fast, the biblical uh, way that they did it is they did the food. So you can fast technology, but I think that spiritually speaking, I, I would encourage you to do like either a partial fast or a normal fast. I think that that yields great results and uh, encourage you to do that. So what should you expect when you fast? Well, I had a pastor who once said to me that when you fast, you should never feel hungry because if it's led by God, you won't feel that way. That is a lie. That is not true. Are you kidding me? When you go without food for like, you know, three days, you're going to be starving. You know, it will happen to you. You should expect to be hungry. Guess what? That's okay. It's part of it. So when it happens, you're like, we never saw this coming. Why didn't he tell me I'd be hungry? I'm just letting you know straight up. You're probably going to be hungry. And when that happens, completely legitimate and completely normal part of actually fasting and going without food. Second thing is, is that there are always going to be challenges to fasting. Well, I would, but it's just that I've got this birthday and then I've got that thing with, you know, Sarah. And then, you know, oh, we've got that, oh, that there's that dinner and then there's that work function. And I've got to work lunch, you know. Hey, guess what? Newsflash, you will never find a convenient time to fast because you eat all the time. It actually means you've got to cut out that food thing, right? That's part of it. So, so you know, if, if you're thinking about fasting but it's not convenient, welcome. It's never convenient, but it's a decision that you make. If you're fasting and you work in an environment where you're just on the computer, you can fast without food. It's no problem if, for example, and this has never happened, but imagine if I had fasted, you know, a couple of weeks without food, I felt tired and I mashed my face into the keyboard. That's, guess what? I'm going to be okay. Keith might find me, it might be embarrassing, but I'll survive. My pride will be damaged, but I'll be okay. But guess what? If you work on tools and you work out and you, you know, work in a job where you're operating dangerous machinery or something, you may just want to think about how you fast. Maybe it's one meal, maybe it's two meals, but I suggest that you think really carefully about what you're doing there because, you know, if I um, hit my keyboard, that's one thing. If you lose an arm, it's another. So, you know, I I just want to encourage you. By the way, um, never heard of anything like that happening and you should be able to make it through just fine, but just want to bring it up as a possibility. Here's the next thing you've got to do. If you decide to fast, pray otherwise it's just a really dumb diet (laughs) like have you ever gone on a diet and they said what's your secret you go well we don't eat that's stupid of course you got to eat right so if you don't pray you're just doing a dumb diet but it's not a diet 
This is meant to be, you know, praying and fasting and seeking God. And by the way, if you are praying and you're feeling a little bit tired and you have that moment where, you know, you're starting to fall asleep, seriously, don't even worry about it. Do you know how many times I've fallen asleep while praying to God? It's like, I just wake up and go, sorry, because I've done it. And I, I, I cannot be alone. Please don't leave me alone up here. Like, I, I know there are people that have fallen asleep during prayer. It's like, I remember having a conversation with Isaac once, mid-conversation, he passes out. <laughs> Did I pour out wrath and judgment on him? Yes. No. <laughs> but I tell you what I did do. I said, I just thought he was cute. So I picked him up and I carried him and I put him into bed. God never does that. I wake up in my own drool, but then I, I make it to my own bed. And then I, and, and, and then I keep fasting because I didn't mess it up because I fell asleep, you know. You know, if you get distracted in prayer, guess what? God doesn't roll out the wrath and the judgment. Can I tell you this morning that God sees your heart? He sees what you're wanting to do. He sees that you need breakthrough. He sees that you're serious about it. So if you feel like you've messed it up, it's okay. If you're preparing for a fast, here's a great idea. Don't Gorge yourself the day before. Because like you eat so much and you, you're not a camel. It's not like you can store it up for a week. Trust me, 24 hours later, you're just as hungry as you were before. And, and I don't know if it helps you to increase the expansion of your stomach right before you decide to go without food. It's almost like you don't even want to tell your stomach that you're about to do this. So just go into it easy and don't gorge yourself. And then when you start to fast, it probably won't feel like as big a deal. The first three days will probably be the most difficult. But guess what? After that, your body shifts into another gear. And to be honest, you're fine. You really are. You're fine. And you could do it for a long period of time. And, and as long as you're drinking water and, and stuff, you know, you could actually continue to fast for a really long time, but you'll make it. And then when you break the fast, when you decide that's it, the fast is over, suggestion, don't eat rice, don't eat pasta, don't eat bread. I heard of a story one time from a guy who did a very, very long fast, decided to break his fast with pancakes and ended up in the ER. Why? Because it got stuck. It's like he hasn't eaten anything for like a month and then he eats like the, what, the kind of food that's going to expand in your stomach. That's just not a good idea. So when you break the fast, you break it with uh, soup, you could break it with vegetables, but you break it with something that's easy enough to you know, consume and, and, and it's not going to expand. So that's the other thing. All right, so why, why are we doing this? Why would I even bring this up? Why am I talking about prayer and fasting? I'll tell you why, because actually I felt like God pressed me to do it. And I think that is a great reason to fast. Because what it means is, is that there's a window of divine opportunity here for people that need to move forwards in life and have been stuck. And I can tell you right now that, to be honest, I may not find myself in the position of in each and every of for the things that we're praying for this morning. They might not be my circumstance. They might not be my situation. But I tell you what, I'm going to fast for the people that are around me. Because I tell you what, we're a community, yeah? So if we're community, I care about how people are going. I, pe- I care about how families are doing. And because I do, I'm going to be fasting for, for breakthrough in certain things. But I tell you what, I would fast anyway, just because I want to see the hand of God be extended to people. And I want to see breakthrough happen. And I want to see lives be transformed and changed. So here's the thing. This, I, I, I want to um, 
pray and, and, and anoint two types of people this morning, but this is what the fast is for. And here's what I'd like to do. We're going to, as I said, we're going to pray this week. We, we, I want to kick off a fast next week just for one week. That's it, just for one week. That's all. If you want to go beyond that, you're welcome to. But here's what we are going to do. Um, I want to pray for people and, and anoint people, particularly in the area where they, they, they need to find a job. Because I have been um, inundated with people who are desperately looking for work and the search continues and they need a job. They need to have that provision and breakthrough. And I can't just stand back and, and, and watch. And yet at the same time, I can't actually do anything about it. But I tell you what, I know a God who can. And that's why I feel like God has led us to this place to fast. I want to pray for people who um, need financial breakthrough. I'm telling you, there is like a poverty spirit that just gets on people and it doesn't matter how hard they try, they never seem to break through in life. And I'm not saying that fasting is a silver bullet. That's why we run a a Christians Against Poverty, a CAP course, which actually helps educate people about how they should steward their resources. So fasting is not the silver bullet. But there are some people that I believe are being spiritually held back from being able to flourish in life and it's time for that to end. There are people that have been able to get contracts and and work, but it's not the full-time work and it's not what they needed. And it's time for that to end. And it's time for people to just break away from all the things that have, you know, held them back. So if if you're in that situation where you need a job and you need breakthrough and you need that poverty spirit to just come off you and you want to actually begin to flourish in life, you're the first type of person that this church wants to fast for. You're the first type of person that we want to pray for and intercede for. The second group of people is just people that want opportunity. And I felt God really pressed me about this. If, you are, if you're a business leader, if you are a business owner, If you're trying to move your business forwards and you find that it's stuck and you're just unable to do it, I want you to join us with this fast and I want to pray for you at the end of our service today so that you can see breakthrough happen. There are people who are here today that need divine strategy. There are people that need answers to prayers. There are doors that you have been knocking on and they have been closed and you can't break through. You just can't seem to break through. And I'm saying that we are in a season right now that I feel God has led us to when those things are about to shift and they're about to change. You should see what it looks like at the night service. I ask if people need jobs and nearly all the hands go up. And I'm telling you right now, the kingdom of God is hindered because there are people that are kept poor. And it is time for all of that to shift and to take place. Before, before we move into that moment, I want to invite a good friend of mine, Jason Isaac. Jace, would you please come up here? As Jason's coming, would you please welcome him this morning? And the reason that Jason is um, coming here today is because um, recently um, Jason had an experience that I was fortunate enough to walk through the process with him a, a little bit, but there was a whole bunch of things that happened in that process. I thought it would be great this morning if Jason just could share some of his story and, uh, and, uh, and encourage you with what God was doing in the process the whole time, because sometimes we don't see everything that God is doing. So welcome, Jace. Good to Thank you. have you up here, mate. Um, obviously, 
this started for you many months ago and you started to look for work because the job that you were in was eventually going to come to an end. Can you please um, just walk us through the process, what happened and how you felt at the different stages as you went for different jobs and so forth? Yeah, for several months, um, the current employment that I had, I'd been a project manager for 10, 11 years and I knew that the company was in a bit of trouble and the tax department was starting to do some investigation into the company and rather than stay and wait till the company collapsed and fell apart, I decided to start looking for more work and I didn't jump into it straight away because I was quite happy and secure in myself with what I was doing but I knew it wasn't a long-term future goal um, because it just wasn't going to be sustainable and um, so I spoke to my employer and uh, <clears throat> pardon me, and he, he understood. He understood that, you know, I've got a young family and that I need to start thinking forward and have a job that's sustainable and, and it's going to help provide for our future. Now, I got given an opportunity which was fantastic. It was a great opportunity. I, I really believed in my heart that it was a, it was a God opportunity. But unfortunate circumstances during the first week of that work led that employment to finishing up. And, um, you know, I was struggling with that, you know, because it was sort of something, it wasn't the employer, it, 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 it was something that I've been dealing with and I was really struggling with that because I really believe that God was leading and guiding me into the, to a good future. Again, I got given another opportunity and... You know, I walked into that believing that God was going to take care of our future and, um, you know, provide the resources. And it was an industry that I was very familiar with. Um, But then again, things didn't work out again. And again, it it wasn't the employer. It was partly to do with me. And I was really struggling with and asking God, well, I've had two great opportunities and none of them seem to have worked and now (laughs) I'm without a job and my finances are drying up we've got rent to pay we've got bills coming in and the opportunities that seem to be good just collapsed can I ask you about that Um, I know going through that process there was that sense of you're wanting to provide for your family could you just maybe just talk us through how you felt about providing for your family in that moment when you didn't have a job and you were trying and you were sitting off applications that weren't coming successful how did you feel about everything how did you feel about God in that moment look my um, my love and my prayer and everything to God still was good and and I was maintaining that because I knew that God would be our provider but as a man I didn't have a job and the natural circumstances of all that unfolding and not having that success moving forward in application or having even a callback from someone, it started to really wear me down as a person. And I started to I'll get very anxious, started to my whole routine and things that I was doing at, around home, going to the gym, even eating, at times just, I don't know, I just felt everything just was starting to fall down around me. And, um, you know, but I continued to believe that God would come through. But 
I was still experiencing the circumstances as, <laughs> you know, we're all human, we're natural, you know, and all the doubt, disbelief, no one's calling you back, you know, that application wasn't successful or, you know, you haven't got the skills for that or whatever, you know, it sort of all started to get pretty hard. But one night I said to Channa, I said, I've got all these applications and I was frantically just putting things through. But I thought there's no point in just frantically putting all these applications through without really just laying them all down before God and just laying hands on them, getting together with Channa and praying over that. Because I could work naturally in putting applications forward. I could put 500 applications forward and not pray once. And would it be a God opportunity if any of those came through? I'd rather put the applications on the table and pray with Channa and believe that God would reveal the right one. And with that prayer, I expected that I would have an answer on the Monday morning as to one of those applications. And there was probably about, I don't know, 17 or 18 applications there, and only one of those came forward. And that started the ball rolling to where I'm at now. So you got offered a number of jobs... And I think really important is to, to note is that you felt like looking back in retrospect, God was in the process the, the same all the way through the, you know, not getting both jobs. And you sort of, I remember talking to you about it and you were thinking, why would God lead me to a place where I had a job and then, you know, I, I would lose what, two jobs in a row? Like what, God, like what could you be doing in that moment? But then if, if you don't mind me saying the job that you got offered in the end was actually a job that was incredibly close to home, was better hours, less pressure, and much better pay than the other two jobs by a clear mile. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the other opportunities, they were great. But this opportunity that I'm actually in right now is a lot more substantial. <laughs> it is a lot closer to home. And the responsibilities are very defined so the responsibility is really just go out and sell <laughs> rather than look after five other different components of your role. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess in, in summary, the whole point of this is that in the process, I remember speaking to you on the phone that day, it's like, God, where are you in all of this? And, you know, I know that you believed that he was good the whole time and, and with you, but you're still trying to figure it out and, and having that sense of feeling like you're failing. And yet at the same time, God comes through, gives you a job better job closer to home better pay and in the end you're like you say god where are you he was there all the time shutting some doors in order to open the right one would that be fair to say yeah that's right what an awesome story come on can we give this guy a hand sometimes it's so easy to you know just wonder where god is in the process of everything god where are you what are you doing I need, I, I need answers, I need breakthrough, and, uh, and you just don't seem to be getting it. I think that what God did in Jason's life is something that He wants to do in our church. And I feel like even in this sense, and this is not something that I will find in the Bible, this is just the sense that I have from God, that Jason is like a forerunner for people in the sense that God is going to bring breakthrough, close down some doors and open other doors. And what I want to do this morning is... You know what? Could we do this morning? Could we please all stand together? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, 
www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.